Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Pod. As always, Tyler Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we got a little bit more uh, pep in our step, a little bit better mood because uh, Wisconsin basketball was able to pick up a victory over Rhode Island. Um, last Yesterday evening, we're recording this Thursday morning. It'll be out Thursday mid-morning. Um, so a uh, pretty quick turnaround for the podcast, and uh, we'll talk about the basketball game a little bit, and then we'll get into our Iowa breakdown. Um, talk about what the offense needs to do to kind of get things moving, see how the defense is planning for this Iowa attack. And then at the end of the show, we have an interview with Ben Ross of Black Heart Gold Pants. He hopped on the show to give us an insider look at the Iowa Hawkeyes, kind of break down how this resurgence for Iowa has happened, uh, what to make of Spencer Petras at quarterback, and how this Iowa defense has uh, stood up uh, to be stout for so many years. So, uh, a fun episode. I think it'll be a good episode, and hopefully um, next week we're coming back and talking about a Wisconsin football victory because I think everyone would very much enjoy that uh, given the last couple performances in the last couple weeks. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, to echo what you were saying, it, I think this weekend's going to be an important game for the Badgers um, just for fan morale, team morale, considering that basically they've lost their last two that they've been able to play, and then you've had COVID issues that have cut short their ability to play. So they're, they're kind of reeling, ready to play. Um, I would assume that this team will come out fired up, it's, but uh, I, Iowa will be doing the same. So I, I'm excited for a really good game, and um, hopefully there is a lot less a lot less baggage than what we saw in that uh, basketball game last night. Oh, man, that transitions just well. We'll get into the basketball game quickly before we – um, touch on that. I think the, the, there was really kind of big storylines there with Brad Davison and the fouls. I mean, the, that game um, was, from a watching perspective, kind of hard to watch because you couldn't really get into a rhythm where it just seemed like a, a whistle every other second that, uh, you know, you were, if you were watching it and there was a foul, maybe you looked away, something else, and it just felt like a game that, and, and maybe the players too, because the shots weren't necessarily falling. It, it kind of ebbed and flowed like that, but um, what did you make of, of the fouls before we kind of talk about the, the Brad Davison um, you know, performance? I mean, it was absolutely absurd just how many fouls there were. Um, you know, the Badgers had the, had the lead for 38 of the 40 minutes, 38-plus minutes here. So it wasn't like the Badgers were ever in real danger. I know that, they, that Rhode Island cut the lead down. It was 22. But, man, the, the fouls just continued to add up. 48 total fouls. You also had uh, the technical fouls being called as well, um, two of which were against Rhode Island. And, and it was just – it was it was a bunch of refs really wanting to get some airtime on TV. And I tried not to write about it in the in the, um, the post-game recap just because I was like, everybody who watched it already saw just how atrocious that was. I don't need to beat a dead horse. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely threw – um, both teams out of the rhythm. It slowed the play, the pace of the game, and it just felt like the game was never going to end, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was it was a hard watch, like you mentioned. Yeah, it, it, the the the, the um, technicals were interesting too because it seemed like a lot of these guys were kind of just you know chatting and 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 kind of shit talking a little bit, where it's just your normal basketball. I mean, maybe there was something deeper than that, uh, but I know. Uh, Rhode Island definitely looked a little confused um, with with what was going on, and then the rhythm-wise, I, I think it really affected them as well. You know, they didn't shoot the ball uh, from the three-pointer very well, uh, especially in the first half, and, and really didn't really turn around in the second half. They didn't shoot as much in the second half, and uh, for Wisconsin too. You know, we we've talked about threes. Uh, took 22 um, last night. So made seven of them. So you're right around that range you want to be in. Hopefully, they can start to knock more of those down, but. Um, kind of going away from the fouls, so we don't want to give it a ton of airtime. The big, the big performance was Brad Davison, and we talked about it last uh, episode how we were kind of waiting for a guy like Davison and uh, Aleem Ford to get going. 
Uh, he had a good game as well. He's, uh, you, can't, you don't want to overshadow that, but Davison was dominant. 23 points, really looked good. Dominant in the first half, especially knocking down some three-pointers. How big of a, is that for just this team going forward when he has a big game? How much does that change the offense, and, and what did you make of his performance? I think it's crucial for this team. They, they need him to be a player day in and day out for them. We saw too many times uh, in the games previous where he just couldn't get, get things going, whether it be foul trouble that he was dealing with, um, like against Marquette, or if, if just shots aren't falling and he's not being effective in the game plan, like against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, so I, I think really you look at it, six points against Eastern Illinois, five against Arkansas Pine Bluff. He had 10 against Marquette, which is closer to what you need from him. Um, Marquette with four. So I, I don't think you're going to see a 20-point output from Brad Davison day in and day out, but it was big to see him hit a couple three-pointers because this team, as much as they have a lot of weapons to that can hit from three, he's your two-guard. He, he's got to be able to do some off some things on offense to help you out because while he can be a, a pretty good defender, he's not going to keep up with a, a guy like Fats Russell, for example, um, who we saw that Dimitri Trice did a really good job on defensively. So I think Brad Davison, getting an output from him that was really positive is is huge. Yeah, he was really strong. And I, I think him having big performances, like you mentioned, is, is big for this team because it allows them to not rely so much on the bigs. You can you can play through any of the five guys, kind of whoever is, is looking strong on that night. And when Brad Davison's on, it just seems to elevate everybody else's game and and the offense moves better. I don't know if there's a certain reason why, but he's just a guy that when he's really playing well, everything else seems to click. And it, it doesn't have to be a 23-point performance from him every night. He doesn't need to be the leading scorer every night. But when he can put in some baskets and be knocking down shots, it just seems to put everybody else in a rhythm. So I think it's really important as the team starts to get closer to conference play here that he's a guy that can, can be knocking down shots and, and they can play through him and they can play through the bigs. And then, you know, if a team forward's putting in uh, 10, 11 points a game like he did the, uh, you know, last night, I think this team is really balanced. I know we've talked about it, that they don't have really a dominant score that's going to, you know, load up the stat sheets and be the guy that they go to. But if you got three or four guys in the starting lineup and maybe some guys off the bench putting in 9, 10, 11 points and you've got a balanced scoring attack, this team is dangerous because you know that on the defensive end of the floor, they're going to play solid defense. They've been rebounding better um, over these last couple games, so you're going to get them you know, pretty strong on the glass. It's really just Wisconsin basketball. It comes down to making shots, and if they've got three or four guys that are making shots, they're going to be hard to beat, a hard team to beat. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is a team that has a lot of talent, and they're going to go as far as they're able to score. I think defensively, we still saw them struggle with fouls, something that happened against Marquette as well. But I, but I think, really, you look at it, there's, there's players who are starting to emerge, and I think that will help them. You see Tyler Wall, you see Jonathan Davis playing extra minutes, doing the little things to help this team out. Tyler Wall once again led the team with a plus 19, plus or minus. The kid is by far um, kind of the the player that kind of propels the engine. And you saw him play almost 30 minutes against Rhode Island. He has steadily improved the amount of or increased the amount of minutes that he's playing. He's not going to show up with crazy amounts of points in in the stats count, but you see six rebounds, you see you see a couple blocks, a couple steals, and assists, and, and really he is the energizer bunny that keeps this kid this team going and Jonathan Davis had a really beautiful sequence there where he had a block on one end, came down the other court, hit a reverse layup shortly thereafter, hit a nice turnaround jumper. And so those two guys I think are going to be also big for this team because you mentioned to lean forward. He's just not consistent enough right now for the, for him to be playing um, crazy number of minutes. And for you to expect that he's going to be on, he he's, He's going to be a guy that's going to be in and out and probably split time with Wall, and they deliver something very different. So when they're both out there, Aline needs to be a score first forward when he's out there, and um, Wall needs to continue to do the, the dirty things to continue to help this team win. Yeah, Heather Wall's been a really nice uh, positive for this team. I know we everyone expected him to have a jump up in, in terms of performance, but I think he's exceeded those expectations in a lot of ways. So he's looked really good. Davis has looked really good. So to have a couple guys off the bench that are pretty strong to, to mix with some of the others that just come in and give you minutes will be 
uh, important. Before we get into the football, any other takeaways from this game as the team moves forward for, I guess, they don't really know the schedule. I know Greg Gard said he doesn't, his players don't know who, who to prepare for because he doesn't know. So we're not really sure who's next on the docket uh, for Wisconsin basketball, but any other takeaways as they kind of move forward with the season? I just reiterate, really good um, defensive effort by Demetrius Trice on Fast Russell. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Fast Russell is a legit A10 player, averaging 18 points a game, um, and and he really pushes tempo. He's a good defender, and he was minus 13 for for the game. He only had eight points on uh, three of 14 shooting. Demetrius Trice did a really good job with some in a league with some really good um, point guards. You know, I know the Big Ten's mostly known for. They're big men. For, there's some good point guards that uh, Demetrius Trice is going to ho- have to hold his own against, and and to see him shut down Fats Russell pretty much, that was that's definitely a feather in his cap, and hopefully um, gives him some confidence to rebound from that Marquette game. Yeah, a lot of good guards, um, you know, coming up in this league that uh, you'll have to pay attention to as well for Demetrius Trice. Ao Desumo of, of Illinois. Iowa's got a bunch of guards that are knocking down shots. Their performance in the ACC Big Ten Challenge was impressive. So this league is going to be a lot of fun once they get into uh, conference play that way. So, All right, well, that wraps up our basketball talk. It's time to now get into the football discussion. Iowa, Wisconsin, Heartland Trophy on the line. Really a huge game for, for both teams. Iowa has, has really been playing well these last few weeks after an 0-2 start. Um, they've rallied, won five in a row, so things are looking strong for them coming into this game. They've got a Wisconsin team kind of on the ropes a little bit. You mentioned it at the beginning, losing your last two games, having some COVID issues. It feels like forever since Wisconsin has, has scored a touchdown and, and won a football game. So um, big, big um, game for, for both teams, really. It, it's it's a rivalry game, so you can kind of, you know, the cliche, throw out the record books and everything like that. It'll probably be a similar contest to what we've seen for the last, you know, how many years, uh, you know, low scoring, defensive battle. But hopefully Wisconsin can put together some points here. And we'll hop right into that because I think that's kind of the big thing to talk about is the Wisconsin offense and what they need to do. So how do you think the Badger offense is going to attack this Hawkeye defense that has gotten better and better as the season's gone on? Well, first and foremost, I think one of the main keys is they need to do a good job in the interior of the defense because Iowa has some really good um, in defensive linemen and interior defenders. You look at uh, you look at some of these guys, and Davion Nixon is a stud. He's been playing really, really well. He he's in he is the third leading tackler as a defensive tackle. Has 13 tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. So. You're looking at Caden Lyles not out. We're not sure if Cormac Sampson's going to be back. We're not sure if um, Joe Titman's going to be back, although I doubt he is considering he's been out for some time now on the injury report. It, it makes you hope that Tanner Bordelidi can hold his own against um, Davion Nixon because he is a legit one of the best uh, defensive linemen in the Big Ten. Um, so I think making sure to, to do a good job against that Iowa de- interior, but then you need to establish the run game. I think Wisconsin um, got a little a little too overzealous with the pass last game, and I know part of that was they had to do it because they had to also catch up, but there was times when they went away from your bread and butter. I love to see Jalen Berger as straight-up RB1, no more or, um, and sometimes not even having him in the depth chart. To have see him at number one now, that, that should give an indication that hopefully they feed that guy because um, that's what they need to do. That's how the Badgers have done a good job against Iowa in the past is you need to wear Iowa down. They've got a lot of really good linebackers, but I think you've got to get back to running the ball, get some side-to-side motion, and maybe get some something going with the passing game out of the backfield. Get Berger out in space with the ball in with a, a swing pass or a, a wheel route or something like that. Um, you've, you've had some time to prep for that. I, I would expect try to get the ball to Berger as much as possible because he is your best weapon. Yeah, no doubt he's the best weapon, and I, I totally agree with you. I think he's going to be a guy that, um, you know, the last few games he's only gotten 15 carries a game. I think he needs to exceed that mark, um, you know, kind of by a wide margin. But also if you're not going to get him touches in, in the traditional run game, I think they do need to get him involved in some screen game or some outlet passes. Just get him touches, get the ball in his hands as much as you can. 
you don't know the status of some of these other guys on offense. The offensive line will be one that I, I will be watching closely. I know uh, Paul Chris is scheduled to speak at some point today that you might get some insight onto who will be available um, in, in that. You know, this will probably be out around that same time, so we won't know the status of some of these guys, but maybe we'll get some insight later on. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to have to be Jalen Berger. There's going to be times where the run game doesn't work, um, but I'm going to be interested to see, you know, how, into how long the Wisconsin offense sticks to it and, and keeps keeps at it even if it's not working the way they want it to. I think you're you're totally right. They got away from the run game a little bit too much in that Indiana game when, you know, Jalen Berger was popping runs left and right. I think he needs to get, you know, 20 to 25 touches, whether it be in the run game or in the pass game. And and there's going to be times where maybe he doesn't, maybe he gets two, three yards in a cloud of dust, but you have to establish that run because if you don't have it, you know, Iowa can just key on Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz can't do it all. I know someday we all expect him to be a quarterback that can sling it around the yard and, and all that, but but right now they're just not in a situation to rely that heavily on the pass. And, and Iowa's going to be the same way offensively. So uh, I think this Badger offense really needs to, to go at the run, stick with it, be patient with it. And also, at some point you need to be aggressive here. I, I think that's another big thing that I'll be watching for. Can't settle for punting in your own territory. I know Wisconsin and Iowa is usually a punt fest there for a little bit, but Eventually, you gotta, you'll got to you push the envelope and, and go for it on fourth down if you feel like there's a situation where you can. Um, go for it and, and don't settle for a field goal. Don't punt it in your own territory. What do you have to lose at this point? I mean, they've they've lost two games. I know it's a rivalry game and a trophy, but this season's kind of a wash and, and meaningless for a lot of ways anyway. So go out there and do what you can. Be aggressive and, and stick with the run game. I think it's the big things I'm going to be watching for with this offense. I like that you brought up the aggressiveness because that's something that we talked about last year, and that was something that, that's really indicative of having a lot of trust in your offense. And you'd see them bring out the hippo package and go for it on fourth. Uh, I, I, it's singed into my memory that, that early on against Michigan, and they just completely just punched them in the mouth and, and got that in their in um, Wisconsin territory. They went for forward on fourth down and got it. So we need to see that from this team because you've got the running back to do it. Um, offensive line, as we know, inside might be a work in progress. We'll see how that looks. But at the same time, there's not that aggressiveness, that that fire. I know that um, Paul has been continuing to take the ball if they win the toss, which is, you know, I've, I've got no problem with that. I like the aggressive approach with it. But it's it's got to be um, pedal to the metal and going for it because, like you said, you really do have nothing to lose in this Um it's a game that you right now are projected to, uh, as the underdog, go in there and, and steal one in Kinnick. Yeah, I think that would be huge. And I think that would show that, you know, that, that Paul Chris and this offensive staff, that he's got confidence in the players. And, and I think that'll be a nice confidence boost to go in there and, and push the envelope and hopefully be aggressive in those situations. I think that'll be the, the two really key things on offense that I'll be watching for is, is how long they stick with the run game, if it's not working, how many touches – Jalen Berger gets, and how aggressive can they be? Because I think to win this game, you're going to have to pull out the big boy pants and, and go for it and be uncomfortable in certain situations. So I think those are the things to watch for on the offense side of the ball. Switching gears here defensively, Wisconsin defense has been great. I know there's been a few things that you can nitpick on in terms of you know pressure. That would be huge. Forcing some turnovers would be ideal, but what are you looking at as, as kind of the defensive game plan to go, to go against this Iowa team? Iowa team because this Iowa offense doesn't really do anything great they don't do anything that bad but they're finding a way to win games it's a lot of Big Ten's mantra and Iowa is kind of another prime example uh, of that situation I think you really got to do a good job against the run you look at um, their splits right now Iowa's um, 53rd in rushing offense but they're 96th in the FBS at, at passing offense Wisconsin's run defense has been really good this year. You got to keep that going. Um, you've got to stop the run, force Spencer Petrus to to beat you or Petrus to beat you. Um, you you look at his stats for this year, and and when you look at them, you're not overly impressed. He's a first year starter, similar to Graham Mertz. He's actually struggled a little bit more than Graham Mertz this year in in a lot of ways, which I know can be kind of you know something where you're like, really? Um, but you look at it, he's averaging under uh, 200 yards a game. You take out his last performance against Illinois um, last week and where he three was through three touchdowns, 
and he has five interceptions compared to um, seven total touchdowns. You take those out, he's got four. So it's it's not he's not going to be the guy that they're going to rely on to beat the Badgers. Wisconsin um, needs to stop the run because Tyler Goodson, Mackay Sargent, those are some good running backs that have have had a really good season this year. And if they can stop those two from getting over their normal 150 mark, I think that will go a long way in, in making sure that the Badgers um, defensively are in a good spot. Because I, I can tell you right now. Iowa has some good threats outside to catch the ball. Um, they're still led by a tight end, Sam Laporta, and they have a, four good wide receivers to turn to as well. But I would rather take my chances against um, making Spencer Petras beat you than allowing Iowa to run the ball well. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think you look at with, you know Iowa's performances, the, the really strong defense that they've went against in the past is Northwestern. And in Northwestern did a really good job of doing exactly what I think Wisconsin's going to do, which is take away the run game. You know, Northwestern only gave up 77 yards to them on the ground. And, of course, it was early in the season, so Iowa's run game has gotten better. I know they had some guys that they were trying to work in and, and battling some different stuff in, in that regard. So their run game has improved, but I think Wisconsin's defense is probably the better of the two that they faced in, in regards to the you know Wisconsin and Northwestern. It's probably a toss-up that way. Uh, but Jim Leonard, I think, is going to be in a situation where he's going to take away the run game and, and make Spencer Petras beat you. And I think you have to feel pretty confident in that game plan that he's just not a guy that I think can do it. Similar to Graham Mertz, can't have it all on his shoulders right now. I don't think you can have it all on Spencer Petras' quarterback or shoulders that way. So if I'm Wisconsin and, and Jim Leonard, I think he's going to try and take away the run game. Maybe they can, can get some pressure, and that would be great. But I think if you're shutting down the run game and just making him beat you consistently with throws, I, I feel pretty good about it because not only is the, the front strong and can take away the run game, but the Badger secondary is good. They've got a lot of good players back there. I know Wild Goose would be big in this situation. He's, of course, gone. But you've still got a lot of good corners that have played pretty well. Um, and the defense as a whole has played good. Very comfortable with shutting down the run. Making Spencer Peaches make some tough throws to beat you, and, and hopefully you can get in his face a little bit and make it even harder. But I think that's got to be the game plan for the Badgers is just you know saying, hey, you know, opposing quarterback, we don't think you're very good. I don't think he's that strong, and and hey, come out and beat us. And if you do, uh, tip of the cap uh, to him and that offense for, for coming out and executing. Especially when you have the cornerbacks in the secondary that the Badgers have had, they've played really well this year. Um, I do, I would think that the Badgers would be confident in that group. I know Jim Leonard's confident in that group. So this is an opportunity. Get after the quarterback. Make him uncomfortable. Make him beat you. Um, the Badgers need to get to the quarterback as well. That would be another key here um, for the defense um, because if, if you're going to trust that that secondary is good, it also means selling out on the run but also selling out to make um, you know Spencer Petras' life a little bit hell back there. Yeah, I think that would be really the the big thing to watch for defensively is how tough they can make it on on a quarterback that is, is has struggled um, in a lot of ways. I know he had a good half of football last week against Illinois in that second half, but for the most part this season he hasn't been anything special. And and you know the Wisconsin defense has gone against Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley in the past was a lot better than him, and they found ways to shut that kind of down. So it'd be interesting to watch for in that regard. Before we get into the predictions and stuff, any other keys or, or things you'll be looking for on uh, Saturday afternoon? Penalties. The Badgers have struggled with penalties the last two games. It's a big reason why they lost against Northwestern. It's a big reason why they lost against um, Indiana. The, the, right now they're averaging 42 yards um, of penalties each game. You look at it, though, the bulk of their penalties came the last two. I mean, they've been averaging 42 yards over the season. The bulk of those penalties, though, uh, came against the the last two games, so they need to clean that up. Um, I, I anticipate that that they will. Um, I think both teams are going to play fairly disciplined, but in a game where you can expect that, you can't be the team to to mess around and and give Iowa extra opportunities or increase Iowa's field position because we talked about that. Hey, Iowa actually has a pretty good offense. I know that we can say that. Hey, Spencer Petras hasn't done anything wild this year. They're still stacking in the Big Ten and scoring offense with 32 points a game. Yeah, I think that, I think that's going to be really something to watch for, and I think the other thing to to look for in that is is special teams. Wisconsin has had some rough weeks in special teams last uh, you know last season was kind of ugly. 
The last time Wisconsin went to Kinnick, there were special teams mishaps for, for Iowa that, that changed the game for Wisconsin, put them in a um, good field position. But Charlie Jones for, for Iowa is a really strong punt returner. They've got some guys uh, that, that can really flip the field if you are, are kicking to them that way. So having that you know side of the game really buttoned up, I think, is going to be important as well. So you know, important to, to make sure that they're taking care of special teams, taking care of penalties, because in a low-scoring low possession tight game like that special teams and penalties can be can be make or break you can flip the field and then get a quick score penalties you can you know advance the opposing offense down the field a little bit you know if you're picking up 15 yard penalties here and there all of a sudden you can get into territory to move the football so I think those are two things to watch for as well in this contest that'll be really important uh, overall I like it all right who do you think wise well, we get into kind of the prediction side of it Come Saturday night after the game, who are the guys we'll be talking about? So on defense, um, I, I talked about that, you know, I was going to try to run the ball um, and that the Badgers need to stop it, but they also need to get to the quarterback. One of the guys that the Badgers have, have really, he's been so close each game defensively in getting to the quarterback. He, he leads the team in quarterback hurries. Um, I'm going to say Leo Chanel gets home and gets a, gets a, a big sack. Uh, he's second on the team in tackles. I would anticipate with the Iowa run, he's going to be called upon to, um, you know, fill those gaps. So I think Leo Chanel is going to have a, a big game here. Maybe he gets a splash play. The Badgers haven't been really great at creating turnovers. Maybe he can get one um, in this one. And then on the offense, because this is going to be a slobber knocker, I'm going to go with the two fullbacks. Um, I, I think that Graham Mertz is going to get talked about after this game no matter what, just because it's it's – Based off of the last few games, how he looks is going to be a talking point. But but I'm going to go with the two fullbacks. I think you're going to see the other Chanel brother, John, as well as Mason Stocky, help this team out, whether it be in the run game, um, you know, in in the red zone, whether it be p- catching a nice pass. I know Stocky has has been has gotten involved a couple times with that. But Iowa's got some good linebackers. Can those guys? you know, knock them off the ball, give them open some open lanes for Jalen Berger. So I'm going to go with the fullback experience on offense and Leo Chanel on defense. Yeah, I like those picks. I like those picks a lot. I think inside-wise, the inside linebackers in Chanel and Sanborn are going to both have uh, big games, whether it be racking up tackles that way. So I like that pick. And then I think the fullbacks will be important as well. It's, it's, it's always the Iowa game where the fullbacks and the offensive linemen really come out and, and play well on and really both sides of the ball. So um, it'll be interesting to – or both sides of the field with Iowa's offensive line usually playing pretty well as well. So I like that pick. For me, I think I'm going to go with defensively. We're talking about shutting down the run. That starts up front with, with nose tackle Keanu Benton just eating up blocks. I don't necessarily know if he'll have a huge game in terms of output, you know, tackles and sacks in that regard. But I, I think he'll be a guy that – if you watch the game, you may not see it on the statue, but if you watch the game, you'll see him taking on blocks, plugging things up. Same with a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk, guys that are just taking that on, open things up for the linebackers to come up and make tackles, make plays. That's the way Jim Leonard's defense is designed. So if they're going to shut down the run game and make Spencer Petras beat you, it's going to start up front, and it's going to start in the middle with your nose tackle, just making everything messy and plugging things up. So I think Keanu Benton could be a guy that um, has a big performance and, and really executes for this defense. And then offensively, I'm just going to manifest it. I'm going to say Jalen Berger. He's going to have 20 to 25 carries. He's going to get some touches in the pass game, and the Wisconsin offense is going to start clicking. So I hope that's the case. It might not. It might not end up being that way, but I'm just going to put it out there and hopefully, uh, you know, Joe Rodolph hears this and says, "Man, Tyler and Matt say I got to get Jalen Berger the ball." So I'm going to get Jalen Berger the football. So I'm just going to put that out there and hope uh, hope the universe comes through and makes that happen. So. I like all those picks, though. I think uh, those guys will be important to watch come Saturday. Give him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Give him the football. Uh, how, do we, how many more times do we have to say it on this podcast and this site? All right, uh, that brings us into the score prediction. What do you think is going to be the end result on Saturday afternoon? I, I think you're going to see a game similar to that 2016 game in Iowa City um, where it's low scoring. I would anticipate a little bit higher by, by a smidge. I'm going to go with the Badgers because I, I agree with you. I think that I'm going to try to put some positive vibes into the universe and assume that it's going to help things out. But I'm going to go with the Badgers um, with a, a late score to take down Iowa 21-17. 
I like that pick. I was kind of in the same mindset with you. Um, I put I put a 2017 tight a late you know late game going to come down to a couple plays here and there. You know I, I think to the last time they went to Kinnick, um, I think it's going to be similar to that. It's going to be low scoring. Something's going to break late, and and hopefully the Wisconsin offense is the team and the, and the side that does it. So. I think you're on a, a really strong prediction there. Three touchdowns would be ideal. I would love to see Wisconsin offense uh, score three touchdowns. But I think uh, I think the kind of the same thing, maybe 21-17 or 20-17, you know, a couple field goals, a late field goal, uh, puts you over the top and wins this game. But I like the Badgers to win it. I think in the situation, you've got Iowa. You're playing really well. Now your senior day, you've got Wisconsin who's struggling. You haven't beat them in years. Come into your house to finish this thing off. I think Wisconsin finds a way to, to kind of crush those hopes a little bit and, and squeaks one out late. And I know for Badger fans that would be a, a really, really nice thing to see because I, I know the season's been kind of a mess. It's been, it's been a struggle. But to knock off your one of your big rivals at their home stadium on their senior day when they're really having a strong you know, surging season, I, I think would be great. So I'm going to go with 2017 Wisconsin as well. So we're on the same wavelength. I like it. Um, one other thing about um, Badgers that kind of came up this week before we get into our Big Ten Abroad um, predictions is Garrett Rand kind of signifying the, that he's mulling over coming back, which I think would be huge for this team, huge for the defense. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because he missed out on an entire year, has battled injuries, um, probably wants to get a little bit more film on tape for the NFL. Um, I think that would be a guy that would make a lot of sense for the Badgers. The other guy I still think, and I, I'm putting this out in the universe, trying to make it happen as well, kind of similar to what you were doing, um, is Danny Davis. I think you look at he's missed a lot of time this year. Um, he hasn't had a redshirt season, um, and I would anticipate that he wants to be the guy. Maybe he comes back as well. So those are a couple guys to kind of keep an eye on as potential players to come back, um, even though they're seniors this year. Yeah, I think, you know, Northwestern was talking about it. You know, Pat Fitzgerald wanted all his guys on his defense to come back, and I know uh, it sounds like there's some that were considering, and I would hope for Wisconsin as well. That, that's part of the silver lining of losing some of these games is some of these guys didn't get the opportunity to put more on tape, and if you want to pursue something at the next level, some of these guys are going to need that. So it's unfortunate the situation that happened um, with losing some of these games, but maybe you get a benefit of some of these guys wanting to come back and go out um, you know, the, the way that they feel is, is better for them. So it's certainly a possibility, and I think for Wisconsin fans, you'd love to see guys like Davis and Rand back. They're huge pieces of this team, and if you had them in 2021, you would be you know, set up really well because you've seen how big of a difference Danny Davis can make for this offense, and, and for, for Mertz to have a connection with him coming into next year would be huge. So I think this hopefully uh, Wisconsin can kind of benefit from bringing some of these guys back. And in a normal year, you wouldn't get the, that opportunity. But with COVID, maybe you'll get the chance to, to bring some of your key players back, which would be huge. All right, do you want to get into some Big Ten predictions quickly before we uh, move things on? Um, we've got a, a relatively smaller slate for the Big Ten. Of course, they've lost out on two games. Uh, the big discussion of the week has been Michigan-Ohio State being canceled. Um, and as well now, Purdue and Indiana being canceled. So two huge rivalry games lost for the conference, which is disappointing for, for sure. Um, I, I think they're I, – I hope this championship weekend allows some of these teams, you know, in Indiana, Purdue, to maybe play, um, you know, next week. But it, it's really all up in the air right now with that weekend. So before we get into that, we'll talk about this weekend. Um, so outside of the Badger game, not a whole lot of great games, but still be entertaining. This conference has been close. So we'll start on 11 a.m., Big Ten Network, battle of the, the newbies in the conference, Rutgers and Maryland. Who do you like in that matchup? I picked Rutgers the last two times, and they've let me down both of them. So screw it. I'm going with Maryland. They've had a, a few games canceled here lately, but I'm going to go with the Terrapins to take care of business. I like that pick, and kind of going off of that same wavelength, I thought due to the, you know, the games kind of being canceled for them, I've seen Wisconsin struggle to get into rhythm because of that. So for that reason, I was going to take Rutgers. So I know they've been kind of disappointing, but this game should be an interesting one to watch. You know, If, if Maryland comes out and clicks offensively, I think there will be points galore and should be an entertaining game at least uh, Saturday afternoon. But I'm going to take uh, Rutgers in that one. 
just because of, I think, you know, they've been able to play more games and, and kind of get in a rhythm. Um, so that would be an interesting one to watch. 11 a.m., ESPN2, kind of your classic situation, Illinois, Northwestern. Um, who do you like in that uh, rivalry game for the Battle of Illinois? I'll go with the Wildcats. Um, they they seem to be um, uh, a team on a mission. They're going to win this game in, in my eyes. They're, they're two touchdown favorites. They beat Illinois even when they had maybe the worst offense of all time last year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Wildcats to get the W. Yeah, I think Northwestern pulls one out there. Uh, but I do think this game, similar to what Iowa and Illinois were ugly last week, I could see this one being just a disgusting Big Ten game. You know, that 11 a.m. ESPN2 game is usually one that is just gross, back and forth, lots of punts. I could see that being a situation here. I think Northwestern will win it, you know, similar to the game they played against Wisconsin, you know, 17-10, you know, 17-3, just an ugly, ugly game. Uh, I know Illinois has had some serious struggles, but I like Northwestern to to squeak one out and and win just a, a gross Big Ten game. Moving on down the line, 11 o'clock, Minnesota and Nebraska on Fox Sports 1. This one should be pretty interesting. Who do you like in this contest? So I think Nebraska, you know, is is the favorite in this one. They're at home. They should win it. But I'm going to go with Minnesota. I I think that Mo Ibrahim will um, be able to run wild on them. I think if Minnesota is able to have a pulse on defense and stop Nebraska a couple times, I think Ibrahim will do enough to to bring home a W for Minnesota. Yeah, I think this game is is really one that is interesting for both programs because Nebraska, this is a game where fans get excited and want to win, and they usually, in those type of situations, they usually end up on the losing end. Minnesota has been kind of out of rhythm, of course, with COVID, um, so maybe they aren't clicking. It's kind of a hard game to get a read on. So for that reason, I'm going to take Nebraska in that contest, but I could very well seeing them come out and, and lay an egg and struggle in and, and Minnesota win this game. I think to win it, I think maybe Nebraska wins one late, but 10.5 points seems like a lot for Nebraska. So if you guys read the website and you are looking for uh, my betting preview for the week in college football, that might be one that is on there because that uh, has certainly caught my eye. Moving on down the line now, the final game for the conference, 2.30 ESPN, Michigan State heading to Penn State, both teams up and well down season for Penn State both teams with two wins kind of an ugly season on both ends but uh, Michigan State has has won some big games in that regard who do you like in this contest I'm gonna go with Penn State to win this I I don't trust either of these teams they've been all over the place but at the same time at home um, I'm gonna go with Penn State to get the win yeah I think you're totally right there and you know Nebraska Penn State has got a roster that I think is more talented. They've started to figure some things out. Uh, it hasn't been pretty the, the first few weeks, but they still have a really talented roster. They've got a good coaching staff as much as I can't stand James Franklin. He knows how to coach up a team. Um, so I, I will go with Penn State as well in this situation. I, I like them in the spot at home. Going against the Michigan State team, it's probably going to be an ugly game for a little bit there as well, but I like the Indy Lions to, to pull out a win there at the end. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our portion of this show. Um, So now we'll kick it over to our ad reads. We'll get those out of the way, and then we'll get into our interview with Ben Ross of Blackheart Gold Pants. He joined us to give everything, you know, give an insight on everything Iowa Hawkeyes. So it was a really interesting interview, about 20 minutes or so. It's a little bit longer episode, but hopefully you guys will enjoy everything that uh, we put out in this episode, and hopefully we'll be back with you next week talking about a Badger victory. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a special guest to talk some Iowa Hawkeyes. We are now bringing on Ben Ross of Black Hearts Gold Pants, SB Nation's Iowa Hawkeyes site. They do a great job over there um, on the website, so make sure to go and check them out if you're looking for an insider kind of insight on everything Iowa Hawkeyes. I know they've got a big basketball contest tonight as we're recording, um, but a big football contest this weekend, rivalry week, uh, the Heartland Trophy, everything uh, ready to go uh, for Wisconsin and Iowa. I know the season for the Badgers has kind of gone off the rails a little bit, but Iowa is surging, so it should be a fun game this Saturday in Kinnick Stadium. Unfortunately, not uh, any fans in the stands, but that probably works better for the Badgers. Kinnick is always a tough place to play. So, Ben, uh, thanks for doing this. How are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing pretty good, you know. Uh, getting a little pumped up for, as you mentioned, a big old basketball game uh, coming in here. And I'm also excited that, you know, Iowa gets an opportunity to beat Wisconsin for the second time in 10 years uh, this weekend. So, you know, everything's coming up uh, Ben Ross right now in these uncertain times. There you we go. Think, at least, yeah. <laughs> Got to take the wins when you can get them, for sure. Exactly, um. exactly. <laughs> So before we get into the game itself, Ben, I wanted to just talk about the season Iowa's had because, of course, a rough start. Um, you know, off the field there were some issues. On the field it started out 0-2. But, like I said, a surge these last few weeks, playing much better it seems like every week. I know this past week with Illinois was a little bit more of a struggle than I think Iowa fans wanted to see. But what has the season as a whole kind of been like in the eyes of a Hawkeye insider and, and Iowa Hawkeye fans? It's really, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the off season. really. Uh, you know, the first two games losing uh, to Purdue in the exact same way. We've lost to Purdue three times in the last uh, f- four years, and each of those times has been because, you know, we're putting uh, pretty fresh and young safety on David Bell for or a David, David Bell caliber player for one reason or the other. And it's just been really tough because – Hawkeye fans will ride or die for Phil Parker, our defensive coordinator. You know, I think some will argue he's, you know, the best in the country or put him up against Brett Venables or the other classes of the NCAA. And just he sort of, you know, peed down his leg against uh, Purdue. Uh, Nothing to say for some costly fumbles in the fourth quarter that um, kept Iowa from winning. And then obviously in the Northwestern game the following week, Iowa goes up to a 17-0 lead and um, never scores again. Um, just a typical way, you know, Pat Fitzgerald owns Kirk Ferentz. He, um, you know, he he doesn't pay real estate on his home in Evanston or in between Kirk Ferentz's ears. Mm-hmm. And uh, he doesn't pay real estate taxes, rather. So really looking forward to him going to the Chicago Bears so we never have to uh, see him again on the sidelines. But, you know, it was the, the mood around the program and the fandom and the, the blog itself was so dour after starting 0-2 against two really winnable games. You know, Purdue didn't have Rondale Moore or Brian Brom in that game. Or Jeff Brom, rather, excuse me, the head coach. Brian Brom, uh, his brother, did the coaching. Uh, so they didn't have, you know, Jeff Brom, who I think most people would agree is a great coach, hires horrible defensive coordinators um, for whatever reason. And, you know, so he's, he's also sort of – these are two coaches who are pretty uh, – uh, who are – one's pretty new to the league, the other's been around forever – who have just sort of had their way with Kirk Ferentz. And, you know, at that time we were thinking, you know, maybe this – we a lot of us thought that the offseason stuff would sort of galvanize the team and create a flag to rally around. And now after – then going from the summer to 0-2, we all really thought – and then a couple of players transferred to or joined, entered the portal after the Northwestern loss as well. So we really thought, wow, uh, this program's going down in the dumps. I don't know how we're going to put out the fire – uh, blah, 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 all that sort of noise. And then, you know, five wins in a row later, uh, we're talking about, you know, maybe if they let Ohio State schedule an extra game, we should uh, – maybe Iowa should be the ones in the Big Ten championship game if Northwestern loses this week because we would have a better winning percentage uh, over Northwestern because they only played seven games and Iowa will be playing eight. Um, so to even have that conversation at all is – really for Iowa fans and the you know the most interesting thing obviously has been breaking in a new quarterback after we had the Nate Stanley experiment for three for for three whole years uh we've now we now have another strong-armed quarterback who has I mean by by every single measure severely underperformed um really sort of played seven so for you know almost 20 halves of football his best half of football for sure was the second half against uh, Illinois in that comeback win where uh, Iowa was down 14 nothing and ended up scoring 35 straight points in, in a comeback I've never can never really remember seeing from Iowa. Um, so we're riding all that momentum in the world going to this Heartland Trophy game and we're we're in a pretty good place. You know, if somebody had told it told us that Iowa would be six and two before before this year, I don't know if it, obviously it would depend on who we beat and who we lost to, but. I don't even know if, you know, I'd be happy with that. I would have wanted a 7-1 or 8-0, obviously. Um, 
But the opportunity to win, to close the year out on six, potentially seven straight wins uh, with that extra game at the end of the year, uh, then I don't really know what's going to happen with the bowl season. But, you know, we're going to ride this wave as long as we can. And um, finding war, you know, the people who are able to find warts with this Iowa team right now, in my opinion, sort of going out of their way to do so. Yeah, it's it's really been a remarkable turnaround when you look at it. You know, the, for uh, to start out that way and and just rally back the way that they have and, and started to play, you know, collective and good football and get on a winning streak in such a weird season in general. It's it's been pretty impressive. Is there anything in your eyes that has kind of really changed from the beginning to now, maybe on or off the field? Maybe it's just you know a rallying point. Um, within the program, but what is kind of flipped uh, to to get to this change and, and have such a strong streak uh, that you guys are riding on? So I think a few things have flipped. First of all, uh, the defense is just playing sort of sort of lights out right now. Um, right now we're only averaging 17 points a game for our opponents, which is actually honestly high uh, for for a Phil Parker unit. Usually the numbers around 14, but yeah, that's just been great. And on the opposite end of that, uh, Iowa is averaging 32 points a game, which is something that they haven't done um, once at all in the past 10, uh, uh, 10 years. That, that's, their, that's their highest metric by two entire points, dating back to the 2015 team when we went uh, when Iowa went 12-0. Uh, and 0. So, you know, and the offense is coming from a lot of different ways. We, we up until uh, the last, up until the um, Illinois game, our, our quarterback, Spencer Petrus, he, he had just, he had thrown only four touchdowns and five interceptions. Um, so he almost doubled his touchdown, uh, or almost matched his yearly touchdown production against Illinois when he tossed three. Uh, you know, it only took 15 years, but now Iowa is finally running the Wildcat. Um, <laughs> So Brian Ferentz was able, was able to install that into the offense over the summer, and it's really just been a, a great change of pace um, for this Iowa team. And we have two really RB ones on the team, and Tyler Goodson and Makai Sargent. Uh, you know, they're they're combining for uh, for for Iowa's best um, offensive. You know, they're each they're each uh, Sargent is averaging over six yards a carry. Goodson right at five at four point nine, just below. Uh, so we ha- we've had some really reliable running backs. Typically in the past, I was sort of been relying on just one or two guys, not not out of design, but out of mostly necessity. So having a capable capable running back um, in the backfield has really really been good for us. And at the same time, too, I think as long as I've been an Iowa fan, this is the best receiving core we've had. Uh, we have you know there's even whispers now of Sam Laporta and Sean Bayer being our two number one being our two tight ends this year sticking around and eventually becoming, once again, uh, both number one draft picks, a la Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson in 2018. So the offense, at the, as, you know, while while more things change, or, uh, while uh, and the others stay the same, uh, that's sort of happening with the Iowa offense at the same time installing crazy new innovative wrinkles like the Wildcat. Um, so, you know, it's been more of the same again this year as an Iowa fan. Obviously, really frustrating moments with breaking in a new quarterback who really still, you know, even after putting together one great half against Illinois, many still want to maybe call for his head, especially if things go a bit sideways to start against you uh, this weekend. But, you know, it's Kirk Ferentz football. Nothing's changed, really. It's all, you know, he's the one calling the shots. And, you know, not, not the only, and once again, Iowa football, its hallmark, its stereotype has been it's always playing its best football uh, beginning of the year. So while Iowa didn't get the tune-ups like we normally do against Miami of Ohio or Iowa State to start the year, um, we you know, we got Purdue, thank you, we got Purdue and Northwestern to start. And, uh, that you know, that, that, pro- that might have hurt our quarterback's development. And... So now we just have to go go into every game almost, you know, not, 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 I don't even think the clean slate mentality is true. Just sort of build on the momentum. And hopefully Spencer Petrus doesn't need an entire half to truly wake up uh, this week. Well, you kind of transitioned me really well uh, to the next question that I had for you. And it was about, you know, Spencer Petrus. What, um, you know, with breaking in a new quarterback, I know, like you said, you don't have those tune-ups early in the season that a lot of programs rely on. You don't get a preseason to work these guys in. You know, so you you kind of like having some of those games. You mentioned like you know the Miami of Ohio and Iowa State, which was a very good one. Um, what what kind of has been? I know he's definitely at least you know from an outsider perspective, looking at numbers, he's had maybe some flashes. You talked about the second half 
last week. But what has kind of been the strengths and, and weaknesses of his game as he enters this uh, this Iowa-Wisconsin contest? Sorry, you broke up there. What was the question? Oh, I was just going to ask you the the strengths and, and kind of weaknesses of, of, of Spencer Petras' game. I know he's got a, had some up and downs this season, but what has he done well and, and what has he kind of struggled with? I mean, he struggled with everything. You know, he was missing, you know, he missed an out, he missed Goodson on an out route that was uh, is a six-yard route, and he threw it three yards in front of Goodson, you know, on, against Illinois. He's missing deep bombs, he's missing short bombs, he's missing over the middle, he's missing over his left shoulder, his right shoulder, his back foot, his front foot. Um, just consistency, like he's got the arm strength to really make any other throw. We saw that with one of his touchdowns to, to Bayer against Illinois. Uh, it was just a beautiful pass off his back foot, finally stepping up in the pocket strong. Um, I, I think it's calming down, too. He's a, he's a huge guy. I think he's 6'5", about 220. Uh, and he's actually a little bit fleet of foot, uh, too. He has some moves. He is athletic. They have called a couple of um, – they have called his number a couple of times, not just on under center scrambles, but a couple of QB draw looks from the shotgun, which I haven't really seen much uh, out of Iowa's offense ever, uh, at least not since Brad Banks. And – yeah, I mean, so just it's him making the easy throws first, getting getting into a rhythm. Uh, Iowa's wide receivers last week against Illinois were up in the quarterback's grill in a way I've never seen before. Uh, their body language was, I, I don't want to say negative, but I've never seen them be, I've never seen an Iowa wide receiver be so emotional over, uh, fairly so in my opinion, over a really poorly thrown ball when he was, you know, he had five yards on the nearest defender. And so it's just really making the easy plays, even if they're not for a first down or for a big game. But, you know, if it's uh, third and three and you miss a wide-open guy five yards down the field, that's an opportunity for your offense that you just missed out on. And we've seen that all year long. Um, <clears throat> he, I, in my opinion, the, uh, the, the pass blocking and the run blocking this Iowa offensive line has been pr- uh, providing him and the running backs has been above average. Uh, uh, Iowa, I think, sort of has a stereotype for – being this bullies of the Big Ten offensive line, and I don't as long as I don't think that's really been true. Uh, recently, recent years it has. We've had Tristan Wirfs and a, a large a large Jackson bookending, and now we have Tyler Linderbaum, who uh, as a sophomore could really is getting NFL uh, getting you know first round looks as a center, which is pretty unheard of um, right now. And I, I I just think that right now is. Time really to see, you know, who who your guys are on the offense. See, you know, I don't know what they're seeing in practice uh, or anything, but the, the, nothing's going to happen. It's Petrus is going to lose his job rest of the year, so we just have to ride or die with him. And you know, hopefully he he, he leads us off into the sunset this year because, um, you know, I I mean, if we're being honest, we Wisconsin's having a down year and. If Iowa can't, and Iowa's clicking a little bit right now, they're, Iowa's having an Iowa year. It's not up or down. It's just a typical Iowa year. And, if, you know, the, the, winning this game against Wisconsin, I think, is going to be huge for the matchup next year because Iowa will no longer be playing with the history of, you know, the last time the seniors on the team next year saw Iowa beat Wisconsin, they were, they were in diapers. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, this is a rivalry that uh, is – Kind of been a little bit one-sided, but uh, it can kind of. Wisconsin saw it a couple years ago with Minnesota, how that can kind of shift momentum um, for a program, especially going into the following season. So definitely interesting, um, you know, interesting storyline from that aspect for sure. Uh, defensively, Iowa has been really just kind of your typical Iowa defense from what it seems like, just really fundamentally sound, strong against the run. But what has really been uh, their recipe for success on the defensive side of the ball? It starts with Davion Nixon. Um, he's our defensive tackle, all getting Bednarik Award consideration now that came out this week. He is the straw that stirs the entire Iowa's defense drink, and that's crazy to say about an interior uh, defensive lineman, but he really is just that guy. He's got five and a half sacks on this year. He had a pick six against Penn State to basically seal the game a few few weeks ago making some truly athletic plays. You would think he I, – when I, when he first had the pick six against Penn State, I thought he was one of Iowa's linebackers with the moves he put on. He is able to take on any double team. He's able to play at the end. He's able to put him anywhere on the defensive line. And you have to commit two guys to blocking him. And that really opens opens things up uh, for, you know, he's we've got another very capable defensive end opposite him, Chauncey Golston. He has four and a half sacks on the year. Um 
and and more so even with Nixon, you know, he's got 13 tackles for a loss too. So he's integral in stopping opposing running games. While also, I mean, he can set, he can get to the quarterback no problem too. So he he's a defensive lineman. You know, I would we just sent AJ Epinesa to the Bills, but he's a defensive lineman in a way that I haven't seen playing in Iowa uniform in quite some time. Uh, you know, beyond that, Jack Campbell is a, uh, a middle linebacker who's been playing really, really well. Uh, he had Mono to start the year, unfortunately, but he's finally getting in his stride, I think. Um, he, you know, if, I, I thought if he if he had full full reps, he'd be leading the team in tackles. But opposite him, we've got Seth Benson at our outside linebacker position. Or uh, not Seth ben, Benson, rather, excuse me, Nick Neiman, who his brother Ben is a starting linebacker for the Chiefs right now. Uh, another former Iowa linebacker. Uh, just a really great linebacking core that you haven't um, that you you see out of Iowa, but they they're a little bit more athletic from the linebackers I can remember. And and then and then meanwhile, um, you know, with Phil Parker, who I mentioned earlier, he's really Iowa is sort of known as DBU. You know, we've got um, Desmond King and Josh Jackson and uh, OJ uh, Michael OJ Moutier and Amani Hooker, um, all recent guys that we sent to the NFL from Iowa's defensive backfield, and right now, you know, Matt Hankins, our number one corner at number eight, uh, wearing number eight, rather, is um, looking to be the, nec- the next guy that does that. Uh, you know, I think I, overall Iowa's defensive backs have been a little bit underperforming this year because they haven't had a total shutdown guy. Um, we are, we're breaking in sort of a new guy at strong safety in Kayvon Merriweather, who's literally his only football offer, period, was, to, was at Iowa. He was going to play uh, college basketball at Western Michigan before uh, Phil Parker gave him a call. And he's he's been playing really great this year uh, after losing his, starting, losing his starting job last year to injury. And um, and then Dane Belton is another sophomore who's playing a little bit of a, a cash position, which is a new newer newer thing I was been doing for the past few years, uh, sort of a, a Raider spy role that's in between defensive back and linebacker. And he had himself – he dropped the pick six last week. Um, he had himself a great game. Uh, so, you know, this Iowa defense, it's tough to say. The, the weakness has been that they haven't been able to score enough points for their offense on on other on other things. And I'll, I'll mention now that uh, for the first time I can remember, really, Iowa's got a, a punt returner in Charlie Jones who can really who's – a, who's a weapon on um, – uh, on the punt return game, he has one touchdown the series, flip field position, too many times to count already. <clears throat> he has 14 punt returns on the year, and the most punt returns I was had, and and then 12 game season in the past 10 years is 15. So typically Iowa doesn't like to have um, anybody t- 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 uh, anybody as a weapon returning punts, but we've got Charlie Jones this year, and he's done quite a bit uh, of good things for this offense, and I wouldn't you know be surprised. If uh, Wisconsin either kicks away from him or he's able to uh, make make Badgers pay if they do kick to him uh, in, a, in a situation on on Saturday, that's an important thing to note. Wisconsin has been very up and down with special teams. Last week was an absolute disaster on that side of the football. Last year was was kind of collectively a pretty bad uh, segment of their game. So definitely something to note for Badger fans if you're listening. Um, to that, uh, you can be, you can flip a game, especially in a game with Iowa and Wisconsin, low possessions, you know, time of possession being so key. If you can get good field position with two offenses that have some somewhat struggling quarterbacks, uh, it can certainly make a big difference. So, Ben, kind of wrapping up here, what do you think is going to be kind of your key to the game, and, and what do you have for maybe a prediction for this contest? I mean, key to the game is I don't, you know. Can I swear on here? Spencer yes, Petrus can't can. be <laughs> Spencer Petrus can't be complete and total ass. He just can't. He has to be a typical Iowa game manager quarterback. I'm not going to say he has to win Iowa the game, but he can't lose Iowa the game. He has to make the easy passes. He can't turn the ball over. He's got to be a quarterback. He's got to quarterback the offense. He's got to call the right audibles. Um, he's got to call the right uh, blocking coverages and uh, have clean exchanges between he, he and Tyler Linderbaum because – uh, you know, he's not going to go out. I don't think he's – unless, you know, something great happens, he's not going to go out and dazzle us uh, the way, you know, Mertz did against Illinois for you guys to start the year. But at, at the same time, he can't become a liability either. And and then beyond that, you know, I, I'm not worried about this this, um, this Iowa defense. You know, this will be the first time they'll be facing a Wisconsin quarterback who's not – excuse me, Wisconsin running back who's not about to go off to the NFL, I think, that I can remember in quite some time. Um 
So I'm just, you know, hoping that that adds an extra dimension to the way that I was able to call its call its defense today on on Saturday. And you know, beyond that, it's really just I think playing Big Ten football. There's nothing, you know. I honestly I, I haven't really much watched any Wisconsin this year outside of your first game because you know cancellations. And I think the past couple of weeks you've played at the same time as Iowa. And so, I, I, you know, I was looking through your roster. Really happy to see there isn't another Watt brother hiding around somewhere. Um, still looking for this. That, that'll be nice. But, you know, I just have to, you know, this was the headline of the recap I wrote for the Illinois game on the blog was just trust the process. I think we have to trust uh, Iowa coaches to do their jobs. We have to trust the Iowa players to do their jobs. And if that if that's the case, you know, I don't think we're going to get outclassed or outskilled or outplayed by Wisconsin. I think it's be um, you know, uh, a classic Big Ten game, and if that's how it plays out, Iowa I, 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 on paper, I think, should come out ahead. There you have it, folks. Uh, a strong score or a strong prediction um, from Ben Ross of Black Hearts Gold Pants. Ben, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your insight. I think it'll be really uh, valuable for Badger fans to kind of get an insider look at the Iowa Hawkeyes. So, Badger fans, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week uh, for a recap of this contest. As always, on Wisconsin.